I want to speak tonight out of the book of or the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3. A familiar passage, I think, to most of us in there. But I'm not great at giving titles to anything, actually. And um, so the guys in their church, they go, no, what do you want to call that sermon? I go, just whatever you want. Just go ahead. And then, um, But I do know the, what I want. I believe God wants to bring out and what God wants to, to do and what God wants to say to the body of Christ at this time in Ireland. And then... Um, I've been given the privilege this last year to speak one other time outside of Liberty Church and, uh, and um, because there was this um, unknown exile in my, in my life over the last five years. God spoke to me about five years ago, I want you to down tools, I just want you to come to me now. And that sounds easy, but it was the hardest four years or five years of my life. And, um, but um, I was up in, I was up in uh, just at the end of last year, actually, I was up in Belfast speaking at a men's group. And before I went up, the night before, I had a dream. And in the dream, the Lord spoke to me and says, Noel, you're coming out of exile. And I woke up the next morning, I remembered, and I go, hang on a minute, Lord. I didn't even know I was in exile. <laughs> what was all that about? And I go up to speak the next morning in Belfast in uh, Willowfield Church. And uh, a guy comes up and says, Noel, where have you been? It's like you've been in exile. And, uh, and I'm like, and it just started to make sense that I haven't been around the country. In a, in a long while, but I've, I've had the privilege over the years, and, and just from that moment, like just things have opened up, doors have opened up that God just wants me to speak to places, and, and I, bring, I come with that boldness, and I come with that humility, that God wants to do something in our nation, that God wants to impart, and he wants to use us, and he wants us to be the carrier of glory, and he wants us to, to, to be seen in the earth, and, and the sons and daughters, even the ground, even the earth is moaning and groaning, so that this, call on the sons and daughters to rise up, to take their place, and as Irish men and women, and visitors from other nations, and especially as Irish men and women, that we have to stop playing low, and reach up for the things that God really has for us. We have to stop playing down ourselves, we have to stop pushing ourselves into the back, where God wants to bring us at this time into the fore. Why? Because there's a nation on the other side of us. And not only a nation, but nations on the other side of us. And I, I want to read um, 2 Corinthians 3, 7 and um, to 18. It says this. Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because, because of its glory. Transitionary as it was, Will not this, the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how more, much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil on his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old, Test Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
And we all who with unfailed faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is spirit. Amen. Wow, what a scripture. You know, I love this scripture because another, another translation says that we are going from one degree of glory to the next, that the glory of God is not diminishing. It's increasing. No matter what we've seen, no matter what we think we see in the earth or what we've even read in church history or what theology would tell us at times or, or denominations would tell us at times that, that it's, the glory of God is not wearing out. It's increasing. He wants to draw us out into that place of knowing and understanding and experiencing the increasing glory of God. Do you remember Moses went up and he says to God, I want to see you, Lord. I need to see the glory of God. And the Lord says to him, Moses, there's a place beside me for you. There's a place. And do you remember he brings him up and he puts him in the cleft of the rock and he, he passes by. He starts declaring his glory, the Lord, the Lord. One who is nothing is impossible with. The Lord, the Lord. Slow to anger, abounding in love. Forgiven sins and wickedness. Like slow to anger, like that, um, full of compassion. And Moses runs out and, he, and, he, and he, the only thing he can do is actually fall on his face and worship God. Because when the glory of God is present, the very thing of God's character and nature that's manifest in their midst. The only thing that we can really, really do that seems fitting is to bow down and to worship God. Moses' glory was passing. He put a veil on his face to, so that the Israelites would think it was still there. But the glory that the church has, the bride of Christ, is a glory that brings us from one degree of glory to the next. Are you happy with that? Are you happy that you don't have to settle with where you're at? Are you happy that you don't have to look back and go, is this it? No, the good news is there's more. There's more to come. There's more. That as Moses experienced the glory of God and that was passing away and fading and that came a condemnation. How much more glorious that is the one that is the glory that comes with righteousness. Here's the, here's the deal. That the glory of God that he makes manifest now makes the glory of yesterday look like no glory at all. So such is the glory of today. Such is the glory that God. Do you, ever, you know the way you say that? Here's the way we manifest and we see this stuff. It's like, you ever go, you know what? That was the best meeting I was ever at. And then you go next week, and you know what? That was the best meeting I was ever at. Because the, the, the glory of God goes from one degree of glory to the next. Yet last week was a great meeting, or yesterday was a great meeting. But the glory that God wants us to see and experience and be manifest in our midst tonight makes yesterday look like it was no glory at all compared with the glory that God wants to give you and me. And I believe that God has drawn us out. It's funny because Moses' name means drawn out. And when God has drawn Moses out and he, he gives him the name, he, he, he leaves him name with, with uh, he, he gives his, Pharaoh's daughter gives him this name, to be drawn out. And you see in Moses' life that every time he was being drawn out, he was being drawn out into something more expansive, something bigger, more influence, more glory. Incredible places, like he gets, he gets drawn out of the will. Into a family, drawn out some, a small space into a bigger space. Drawn out of being with one person, his mom, to being with the rest of his family. He gets drawn out of that place into a boat, drawn out of a boat, out of the river, into a palace. Drawn out into something bigger, something more glorious. God has drawn you out. God has drawn you out into something more of him to experience who he is. Isn't that incredible? 
It's even more incredible than three yeses. It is incredible that he wants to draw us out into something more expansive and knowledge and, and, and experience who he is. He gets drawn out into a palace. He gets drawn out of a palace, a big space, an influential space, into the wilderness, an expansive place. He gets drawn out of the wilderness into a place where he meets God. He gets drawn out to meet the creator of heaven and earth. And then he's sent back in to draw a nation out into something bigger and more grandeur. You don't know what's on the other side of your calling out when you're drawn out. You think Moses didn't get drawn out into some, like it wasn't all glorious. He had a, a hit on his head from the moment he was being born. He gets drawn out, in, not in some glorious state, in, in some glorious um, launching. He was in a boat in, as a kid in a river. He gets drawn out of Egypt because of murder. That God can turn all of our stuff that goes on in our lives and still draw us out into a place of meeting who he is. He gets drawn out. It's a great place that God is calling the church to. He's calling us up. He's calling us out. He's drawing us out of small-mindedness. He's calling us out of unbelief. He's calling us out of doubt. He's calling us into places where we can experience, like Moses experienced him, he wants us to experience him. I love the story of Mephibosheth. You know, great story. Grandson of King Saul, son of Jonathan. He's destined for the throne. Tragic happens. The dad and granddad gets killed. you remember the story? The, the, the nurse that was looking after him because she was getting out of town, out of Dodge City, because what would happen is the new king coming in, which was going to be David, but the new king normally would wipe out all the old king's family, so there was no one allowed to stand up and say, hey, that throne is worried for me, mine. So, like, the nurse grabs him, she's running out with baby Mephibosheth, they, she lets him fall, he becomes a cripple. He ends up living in a place called Lodabar. Now, Lodabar, in, 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 in the commentaries, he will tell you that Lodabar was so hot and so desolate, a place of, of no return, really, that even scorpions would fight each other just to get under the, the shade of a leaf. Lodabar was an empty place, a barren place, a place where nothing was going on, where nothing was happening, no movement of God, no word of God, a place where everything is a work, everything is a slog. Have you been here? Have you ever been Lodabar? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard place. It's a slug place. It's a place where the ground is hard. hard. Mephibosheth is living in this place called Lodabar. One day an heir to a kingdom, another day a cripple. One day a prince, the next day a pauper, a day where he would walk and be in line for the throne. Now he's on his own in this place. A place where he was walking around the next day dragging himself through, through life. It's amazing what a fall can do. It's amazing a difference a fall can make. It's amazing the difference that, that mom and dad, Adam and Eve, their decision, we all fall, we all become cripples. We all know what it's like to, to be broken. We all know what it's like to have lost inheritance. We know what it's like to drag ourselves through life. We know what it's like to be, to be meant to be princes and princesses but now spiritually poor and paupers. Mephibosheth was an ex. He was an ex-heir, an ex-prince, an ex-able-bodied person. Everybody's an ex-something, aren't they? Ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends, 
ex-students, ex-wives, ex-husbands, ex-bankers, ex-addicts, alcoholics, ex-egomaniacs, ex-business owners, owners. We're all, ex is, 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 is designed to bring us into barrenness. And like Mephibosheth, when our mom and dad let us fall, we all become exes, excommunicated, exiled, excluded, driven to excessiveness, extortionists, exhibitionists, extravagant, extremists, exclusionists, exhausted, exploiters of others, exasperators, exterminators, executioners, that we all somehow as a result end up in Lodabar, the place of barrenness. But a king came into rule called David. And he says, is there anybody of the tribe of Jonathan, of the family, of the lineage of Jonathan that I can bless? And somebody says, there's, there's, there's Mephibosheth and Lodabar. And he sends for Lodabar. And the king takes him from a low place. And he brings him to a high place. He takes him from the place of low living. And now he's saying, you're going to sit at my table. You're going to be someone now who, who is expansive in life. You're going to be someone who will explode onto the scene. You're going to be someone who is not living in shame and, and lack of productivity. You're going to be sitting at my table. You're not going to live anymore in the place of resignation. That's what we hear. The good old days. The days that have to come will make the good old days look like no days at all. That being in the good days with God, the, the new days that God wants for his church, will make Lodabar look like a, a springboard into something that he has for you and me. He gets brought in. This is a picture, isn't it? of being brought from low places to heavenly places. He becomes exceptional, extraordinary, an example. Someone who exercises the things of God. Someone who expels the enemy from families and communities and cities and nations. That when he brings us up into this place, there's an exchange for ashes for beauty. Fear for faith, weakness for strength, heart for healing, past for future, sin for grace. You become someone who is expansive, who explores, who expects the Lord to move, who exalts the Lord, who is exceptional in the word of God. He wants to take us up. You know, we're the only creatures that are in two places at once. You're seated here and you're seated in heavenly places. And we know what it is to live and to see, be seated in this place. But God wants to draw this church to know who they are. Seated at that place. So that we know who we are. Now we're not living in low the bar. He wants to hire the bar. He wants to call the church out from low living. And lack of vision and black and white dreaming. Up into a place. Where you see what he sees. You know what he knows. Where you see it and you decree it. Where you see what God is saying, you know what God is saying, and you start to declare it. He wants to draw us up. He wants to take us from Lodabar. He wants to know, he wants us to know who we are. Seated in heavenly places. 
had a couple of experiences in the last couple of months. One of them was, it was like a, a dream. And in the dream, I was standing holding a piece of canvas. And there was lots and lots of people all around me. And I couldn't see who they were, but I knew there was loads around me. And, and next minute, I heard the voice of the Lord. And the Lord says, everyone back up. And everyone backed up to unfold like the size of two football pitches, like a canvas. And on the canvas was a scene like, like there was the sky and there was clouds and there was a hole in the clouds. And I'm like, Lord, what is it? What is it? And the Lord says, I want the church to experience new atmospheres. I want them to come up. I want them to see who they are. I want them to be able to look into the earth and declare into the earth what I'm saying and what I'm doing. I'm like, I woke up, all I could hear was Jason Upton's song, Heavenly Places, Heavenly Places. Can you imagine what it's like to hear heaven worshipping and declaring into the earth what God is saying over the earth? That's where he's calling us up. I had a dream, I was on my back praying. And then, I used to be able to lie on my belly, but it's getting like, I'll get rocky. I'm only missing. And I'm lying on my back. And there I see a picture of an attic door. And I go, Lord, an attic door. And he says, I'm calling you up. I'm calling you up. I'm calling you to see things. I'm calling you to hear my word and declare my word into the earth. I'm calling you not to be under situations, but to be over situations. I'm calling you not to be living there. I'm causing you to be living there. I'm causing you to see things. One of the times I was praying with my son-in-law, Rob, who people heard this morning, we were praying about things. Nothing was moving. We, this is only a couple of months ago. Like we, The work in Africa wasn't moving because some social worker didn't want to do any paperwork, so we weren't able to take children into our homes there. There was solicitor stuff that wasn't moving there and here. and There was just things not moving. And we were praying. And God was showing me this. About, Come on up here, Noel. Come on up and I'll show you. And within an instant, I felt I was like 40 foot tall. It was awesome. Now I was looking into Mr. Hiroto's office. Now I was looking into the solicitor's office. It was like, wow, well, and, and this is all that came. Mr. Hiroto, move. Solicitor, move. Finances, move. I tell you, within days, things started to move. Why? Because somehow God allowed me to experience what it is to speak from there to here. Because he wants this place to look like his place. And the only way is to hear and see from his place. To see it and decree it. All humans. We're all like, there's stuff going on. But he doesn't want us to be below. He wants to say, will you be a people that will come above it? Listen and wait on me. And I'll show you how to do it. I'll show you what to speak. That kid that's wayward. I don't want you. It's, it's, it's one thing praying from here to there. But I'm telling you, it's a powerful thing to pray from there to here. It's powerful. Things move. People move. Strongholds are broken. Things like from the devil falls like lightning. When you hear from there, we could have a million prayers from here. And it's all right and it's good. But when you hear them, you don't pray anymore when you hear God. You declare what God is saying. You ask Ezekiel up on top of the mountain. You ask, when he, Ezekiel, you've you seen the dry bones. God, prophesy, son of man. He didn't go, dear Lord, will you raise the bones? He says, bones move. Wind move. God's word in your mouth is as powerful as God's word in his mouth. When it's his word, it moves, it moves, things move. You see Caesar Augustus in, 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 in the Gospels. 
one man makes a decree and everybody moves. Everybody. Jesus and Mary, Mary pregnant of Mary and Joseph, Mary pregnant with Jesus. She gets on the donkey to have to go to Bella. Families move, like rich move, poor move, caravans of people move to where they were born to sign the census. Why? Because one man made a decree. Why did they follow his decree? Because there was power behind what he said. One man moved money, moved people, spaces, moved places, people moving everywhere. How much more? Decree from heavenly places, sickness moved. Finances move, pain move, discouragement move, marriage problems move, children move, works move, um, financial problems, addictions move, relationship difficult, banks move, mental health issues move, ministries move, anointings move, obstacles move, oppositions move, Father will you move, Holy Spirit will you move, Jesus will you move, heavenly places, places where he's drawing you up to. Think what it'd be like to just hear heaven worship. Jesus' great apostolic prayer. Singing. Lester Summerall into Manila to start to work. He goes there and he's asking God for a church building. He keeps saying, Lord, will you give me a place in the city? Give me a place in the city. He's praying about this. And in Manila at the time, there was a, a famous story about a woman who was demon possessed. This was the real thriller in Manila. So Sumerall goes and he's in this place and he hears about this woman was famous. She was demon possessed and she, she, would, she was on TV. She was on radio. They'd put her into prison. She'd bend bars. She'd be sitting with psychiatrists and sitting with ministers and she'd say the demon is coming and all of a sudden bite marks would appear all over her face, all over her back, all, everywhere that was exposed. Nobody could deal with her. She hears an, on, a, 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 on the radio, he hears a report about the woman. And he says, God, he says, will you, will you, will you, this was a man that was praying for a place in the city. He says, God, will you do something with that woman? And God says, I want to do something with that woman. I want you to do it. He says, I don't want to do it. That's the Summerall's words. The Lord said, if you don't do it, she'll die and go to hell. Contacts the Lord Mayor. This was the biggest deal in the city. Contacts, he says, I'll, 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 I'll deal with this. They were desperate. He turns up at the Lord Mayor's office. Those cameras, radio, photographers, papers, psychiatrists. He's like, God, you better come through. <laughs> World was there. Goes in and deals with the thing. Asks the devil out. Goes to the Lord Mayor, I want a reward. 
oh sorry I meant to tell you he bought, he bought an airplane hangar ministers were coming to him when he bought, this was before the, the deal with the lady ministers were coming and saying are you trying to just build a big work and take all of our people because we're small we think small they're trying to rob my people and they said that's what you're trying to do that wasn't his heart he had a huge hangar that he was made into a, a church he was making into a church thing happens with the woman he deals with the devil goes to the Lord man he says I want the reward I want to have a crusade in the town square that you pay for you'd pray for the advertisement you pay for the billboards you pay for the radio stuff you, you, all this stuff 600,000 people come in over the next weeks 40, 50,000 comes to the Lord that is something. He thought he was getting a place, a building. God gave him a place in the heavenly places. And can I submit to John and the team that I believe that God has given EMI a place in the heavens. Amen. I believe God is calling you up to this place where you're seeing from that perspective. You're seeing Ireland from there. We're not seeing Ireland with all of its problems. We're seeing Ireland with a solution to the problems. We're seeing places where you're planting churches and spaces and areas and communities where you want to reach. That God is giving you a place in the spiritual realm. I'll tell you why it's so important in the spiritual realm. Because you can have all the buildings in the world and never reach anybody in the world. You can have the most grandest buildings. Have we not got them? Do we not have the most religious looking buildings and great looking buildings and great architecture? Have we not got them? But all the buildings, all the places in the world won't touch the world. But when you have been given your place in heavenly places, you can speak to towns and speak to cities and speak to strongholds and you will see them come down in the name of Jesus. You will see them move. You will see movement of the Holy Spirit. You will see why? Because God has given you a place. Isn't it in you? When I was there, I was thinking that and I feel as the Lord that it's like the last years for you has been like you're like a butterfly or you're like a caterpillar. Not like yet, yeah, Lord, we're in Ireland, yet yeah, Lord, we're in the south, yet yeah, Lord, we believe you have a call. And, and, and you're and you're crawling through. You're living on the earth. But God is stirring something up in you. And you keep looking up to the sky like I'm looking up to new places. You're like the butterfly. You're like the, the caterpillar who knows he's supposed to be elsewhere. You probably even sang a song like, I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. As a moment, I think about it every night and day. One day I'm going to spread my wings and fly away. I believe I can soar. I see me running through that open door. I believe I can fly. The reason why that was there, because God has put that in you. And God has kept you in a place where new things have been happening like in a cocoon. And God has been making the provision. God has been making the spaces, raising up the people. And I know that you've experienced like in that cocoon and something like a caterpillar, something new pops out. Where did that wing come from? Oh, I was meant to fly where did that idea come out? Where did that burden come from? And all these things just started to burst out till one day the cocoon opens and someone starts to fly and the movement starts to fly into new places and new spaces. I believe with all my heart that that's what God wants to do. And that when we're in that place, when we're called up there, we call others up to there. That is not just for us. Coming to church is not just about us, it's about Jesus. But then when we get to that place, 
But God gives us new things. Glorious things. Walked into a hospital a couple of weeks ago, a woman dying. And uh, God asked me to go up to pray. And myself and Sharon, my wife, went up. And she's on death's door. And um, we are still looking for an opportunity. How do I break into this? How do I, you know, jump in and bring her to Jesus? And and there, uh, standing at the bed. And a woman knows me, but sort of knows me from a distance. I know her family. Esther said, Linda, do you know who I am? The snow came, do you know who I am? My voice was as weak as this. This. Of course, I know you know. Religious woman, far away from God, not a church person in any. She was quiet for about five seconds. She goes, Kingdom come! <laughs> Kingdom has come, honey. Jesus was here, Linda. And was knocking at the door of your heart. Would you open up and allow him to forgive you and come into your life and bring you to eternity? Yeah. He is here. What was a struggle doesn't become a struggle. Because it's him. It's him. It's him resting on you. It's him touching you. It's him moving through you. It's him giving you inclinations. I was praying in tongues in my, in my, in my other daughter's house. I was praying one morning and um, I was in her house and I started to pray in tongues. And, and you know what the glory thing about tongues is? The Bible says, Paul says that when you pray in tongues, you, you are uttering the mysteries of God. Hello? You're uttering that you can create your own atmosphere by praying in tongues. The mysteries of God are not something that are concealed. The mysteries of God are there to be revealed. So he's not hiding from us. He wants us to seek him, to get them. So in between songs, when I'm singing songs, in between lines, I'm praying in tongues because I want to build this mystery. And I had a, like a little image of like bubbles bursting every time I pray in tongues and the glory of God and the mess and the mysteries of God being revealed. And so I'm in my daughter's house. Like we meet to pray at half six every morning. We're, we're, we're there and, and they only moved in two weeks prior to this. And um, so we're praying and I start to pray in tongues. And you know the way the Holy Spirit takes your tongue and, and he wants to bring you somewhere else. So you know, you have the choice whether you go with him and you go on an adventure with him. I says, Lord, wherever you're going, I'm going. And I start praying in this tongue. And it was like a powerful tongue. I was like, it was like, I knew there was an interpretation that was needed. And when I stopped, I said to my daughter, Becky, I says, Becky, there's an interpretation needed. Have you got it? She says, no. And I says to her husband, Rob, oh, not Rob, Greg, I said, Rob, have you got it? And he says, no, but I know there's one. So the Bible says, well, if there's no one has it, you ask for it. And uh, so I'm like, Lord, what is, what is the interpretation? What, what were we saying? This moving picture of my mind, sandstone. On the sandstone, there was all this like writing of some description. I don't know whether it was Hebrew or anything, but it was some foreign. And, and I was like, Lord, but what's the interpretation? I don't understand. What's the interpretation? And a little wind came and it blew a bit of sand away. And my attention was drawn to the wind and the sand. But when I looked back, there was a writing that I could understand. Glory. I'm like, The glory of God is coming. This is like 20 to 7 or something tomorrow. The glory of God is coming. 
The glory of God is coming. The glory of God is coming. I don't know when it's coming. I don't know how it's going to come. I don't know what it's going to look like. But what I do know is that the glory of God is coming. And may it start with you. May it start with this moment. May it start with this meeting. May it start when you go home. May it start when we give an altar call. May it start when we worship that. I don't know about you. But when I think of the glory of God, I think of Solomon's temple. The priests were there. You can minister in the anointing. You can minister in the presence of God. But when the glory of God comes, everyone dives on the ground. Everyone is before him. Like Moses up on the mountain. No one. It's like God saying, listen kids, I'll do this one myself. Step aside. Step aside, I'll do this myself. Strongholds fall when he comes. There's no withstanding the glory of God. There's no, there's no ideology. There's no thinking. There's no theology that's wrong. That can stand it. Everything bells when it comes. It's like God comes in his, in, his, in his majesty and his power and everything else. And I want to declare over you as a movement, as a people, as a church, as individuals, as families, that the glory of God is coming. And we say, come Lord Jesus. We say, Lord, come in your glory. This is what Jesus said in John 17. He says, Father, I've given them the glory you've given me. I've given it. He's given it to us. The glory that somebody says, you know, another part of the scripture, God says that he won't give his glory to anybody else. But we're not anybody else. We're the sons and daughters. We're the brides. We're the church. And Jesus said, Father, I've given them the glory that you've given to me. When the glory of God comes, every Everything changes. Everything moves. Everything opens up. When the glory of God comes, when your name is written in heavenly places, you know when it says in Acts that the sons of Sceva, we don't know who you are. We know about Paul and we know about um, Jesus, who he talks about. But who the heck are you? Because their names wasn't in heavenly places. Their names wasn't respected there. But God has brought us up to that place so that when you speak, or we know you know him. We know when you speak, you're speaking in authority because you know who Jesus is. And that's when things will fall and that's when things will bow down to you and me because that's where they belong. This is what the glorious church looks like. This is what the glorious church looked like. Not some backward beaten down old boy with black eyes and broken noses and twisted ears and club feet and all types of things wrong with This is the glorious church. That we're one with the head. That we're one with him. And that we move in the things of God. How about you? We want that we get it. Don't care casually. Don't care willy-nilly. You don't care about sitting down and not giving a rip about worshiping God or spending time with God. Seek Him. Don't believe. Seek Him. Beginning of the year, the Lord says to me, here's a, here's a relief for every person that is in ministry if you want it. This. Well, I want you to give my church a mandate whenever I allow you to be for them. We all know one that we all practice. Listen to people when they come. Be courteous to people when they come to you now. Courage people when they come to you. Send them to me. Send them to me. Tell them to go and sit in a room, walk along a street, 
and you're on your own and listen to worship and say, Lord, here I am. Because if my people will do that, Master's job to be the fountain of all wisdom. His job to point you to Jesus. You say it all the time. I, you know, it's not religious. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. Stop acting religion then. Stop acting around. Being religious. Stop thinking that it's one on a Sunday. Stop thinking you can meet him as a one night stand every now and then. Stop thinking that you have to do A, B, and C and just go and sit in the room and be honest and say, Jesus, here I am. If I haven't got you, I have nothing. If I haven't got you, if you don't speak to me, Lord, I have nothing to say, I have nothing to do. I, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to play religious games. But if you sit with him, finishing it, I'm telling you, these last eight months for me and for Rob who spoke, most, I don't know where I've been 30 years compared to these eight months. Sitting with him, Worshipping them. Two of us together. And then you can't wait to get away from each other just to go home and be on your own with them. Were we the last 30 years? Were we asleep? Oh, the glory of this day makes yesterday's glory look like no glory at all. You're with him, he brings you on adventures. Who wants boring Christianity? If your Christianity is boring, go before Jesus. Praying. Waiting on them. Lord, we're not saying anything. We're just going to worship till you speak to us and we pray what you're speaking to us. Every word that he gives you is 100% on the money. A couple of weeks ago, praying for Venezuela. I didn't go to Rob's house thinking about Venezuela. Venezuela, and I was weeping, praying for Venezuela like it was my baby. morning, waiting in the presence, waiting for his glory to come. You always sit down. That's why he's learned me this year. We're seated now. Most Pentecostals love to walk home down, shaking their hands, speaking in tongues, and <laughs> trying to walk her up. Just be seated, son. When you see what you get when you're resting in the, in the victory. We start to see. Inevitably, Pentecostal and stand. When I stand, I end up on my face. I kid you not. I'm saying this to show you my life that I'm anything, I'm absolutely nothing. I stand up and I have a pain in my stomach when I stand up. I'm like, whoa. Like a pain, it was an ache. It was a hollow feeling. See that feeling now? GBT. Your identity. We thought would meet the need. Anything we chase doesn't fill the void. Waking him with that feeling every morning that I had, it, was, it wasn't like a pain, it was just an ache. Myself to something, but it doesn't meet the need. We used to call it in the old days. Daniel told me about the old days. In the old days, <laughs> we'd call it burden of the Lord. 
prayed it through. Streaming down. Praying for people that we don't know. See, I haven't met anyone from that community. Like in the last, since that. in condemnation ways, judgmental ways. Fill with a compassion. You pray with something. I hope when I engage with someone that that is what overflows. That this adventure of being called up is glorious if you want it. The adventures of God, the building was being sold way back a couple, last year. And uh, it was gone, sold, done, dusted for, for like something like three million to developers. It was a Christian home. It was a Christian place that the Lord says, I want you to be involved in keeping praying. Or I want you to get involved in keeping up a Christian ministry. So I, I, I put myself in the picture and hoping to come up and raise two million euro to buy the thing, which wasn't God's heart, but it was like it was just the circumstance where if you want it, you have to pay for it. I was like, could you not just give me it for free now? And then, anyway, Christian ministry came in. That's what my mandate was. I want you involved to keep it involved in Christian ministry. And I went to the people involved, the people that owned it, and I said, look, I feel God said this. They said, come up with two million, you can have a 1.8. I said, waters to see, was it God's heart? It was nothing coming through. Deal made with another Christian organization. I says, you know what, Lord, I don't care who gets it. I'll celebrate like we got it, because it's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. And I said, so another organization came in, a deal was done, the money was delayed, the other people took the deal back off the table and was now sending it to a developer. Three million. It was gone. I was like, I can't believe it was gone. Couldn't believe that night I had a dream. I call it a dream, but it wasn't a dream. This is where God wants to take you. Out in this building, I know the building intimately. I was out in the building, I'm standing and it, it, it went to go into a room. I go into a room, but the room that I know really well was changed like into a Victorian type of room with big drapes. Like this was probably seconds in, in experience, but the details that God allows you to remember is amazing. Color, smells, like on the color of carpet. I could tell you every detail. And I go in, and there was a man sitting in an armchair smoking a pipe. And I looks around, like it was like one of those smoking chairs, you know, the big leather ones, red with buttons in it. And I look around, there's a man, and I go, Basil, I knew him. Basil, he smoked a pipe. One of my, all my favorite movies of all time is Sherlock Holmes. It was Basil Rathbone, the man who played Sherlock Holmes in the old movies. I go, Basil? He goes, he said, what, what, what's happening with the building? Being sold to these people. the door back in in seconds. I said, well, decided. Just decided this will be kept. Remember, it was sold for three million. It was all on the table. Wake up. I, no, in, in, in this adventure, I went, I went out the door. I rang the people involved who was going to buy a two million bid and I rang them, couldn't get anyone. It was like 1.20 a.m. in the morning. How do you even remember that? It was like 1.20 a.m. and I couldn't get anyone on the phone. I turned around to jump up and down to celebrate with my wife. As I'm jumping up and down, I wake up in bed. <laughs> I'm like, I've never been more disappointed in my life to wake up 
in my bedroom. I was like, no. 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 I was not in this room. It was not just a dream. No. No. I got up next morning, I told my wife and whoever was around the kitchen table, I rang other people and told them, I rang, I rang the most skeptical person I know as a Christian and told them, and this fellow would more than likely go, well, you go away, you're ridiculous. And they, they captured him. The next week, within that week, I'm out in this building, in this place, getting ready to baptize a person who was living in the building. We goes down to the sea and baptize him. Before we went down, I told him the dream. I says, wait and I tell you about the dream. And I says, I was asking the Lord, is there something that I need to do to activate what I had in Revelation? Is there something I need to do? And the Lord showed me to go out and to stand in the building and agree with what heaven had decided over the building. Well, I'm out there doing the baptism. I said, before we go down to the waters, let's stand. I told him the dream. And we just stood there and we said, earth agrees with heaven. What heaven has decided over this building, we agree with it. Next day or the day after, I'm in the car. It was in June. The lads were going down to summer for our conference. One of the guys that got baptized rang me. No, your dream. No, your dream. I'm like, why are you talking about my dream? I didn't, like, wasn't connecting the dots. He says, the three million was rejected. The two million was accepted. I'm in the car. No. No. If it was a dream, I could have made a good illustration of it. But it was a reality. Because the fruit is that what God caused me to do in the spirit was now, they're now living in it. On earth. My involvement in it all was just to say a prayer. Heaven and earth agrees. What you're waiting on, what you're looking for, what you need of God, ask him to take you into those places. His heart is what one degree of what? Glory to another. Can we stand, please? Come on. Yes, Lord. And it's not just for you. This affects others. That's why I told you those stories. I could read books and tell you other people's stories, but you only say that when you haven't got your own. It is God wants to give you your own. Stories that you will tell your children and your grandchildren and those who have to come after them. Who is this for? You and your children and all those who are far off. Who is this for? Special people? No, sons and daughters. Pour out my spirit in all flesh. Sons and daughters, prophesy. Dream dreams, have visions. Do exceptional things in spiritual places. to draw people draw us out Lord draw us out into that place into that space Lord into that grace Lord draw us out into seeing your face Jesus draw us out Lord people that just need to move people that like come on low the bar low living is not yours anymore you, you can't settle for that anymore after tonight you can't settle for it you just have to make a movement 
You just have to say, what? The king called me to be at his table, to be lifted up into a place. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. No more, Lord. I'm not staying at Lodabar. I'm not living there, Lord. I'm not, I, I, I've settled for people laying the bar low for me all my life, Lord. And when the bar is low, you know what? You usually stay there. But God is calling us to a higher bar so that we will move towards it, that we will take a run and jump. And we will take a run and go, Lord, if this is you, I'm going to go for it. And as you let yourself go, the mighty hand of God takes you. New places. That if you've been living like the caterpillar, you've been crawling through life. As a Christian, it's like, no, Lord, this is dead, Lord. This is nothing happening. This is a new day. That you, where you once crawled, you will soar above. You will look down on where you used to hang out and go, how did I live there? How did I settle for that lie? How did I, I, I live in that space? How did I, how did I? But I'm not there anymore. Heavenly places. As a way of moving. Of saying, yes, Lord. Of, I want this. Listen. Listen. There's things that he wants to move. And he wants to give you his word for you to say move. That's why you can, that's how you can say melt and move. Melt and move. Low place become high place. Rugged place becomes smooth. High place, you come low. Lofty thing, you're coming down. Things that were not moving yesterday, they're moving today, they're moving now. They're moving now. They're moving now. We say move. Move. God wants AMI to be what? A movement. Group of people that will move in the spirit, that will move according to the voice of the Lord, that will move according to the blueprint of heaven, that will move, not stagnant, not stagnant, but move, move. You've been stuck and you feel like you're in those places. I can't describe it anymore. Any difference? I suppose I could, but God wants to draw you out and draw you up. And there's a way on their behalf. When you make a movement, just come up to the front to worship God. Let that be your movement. Let, sit down if you want and then rise up to take your place. Sit down and go, oh, look at Lord. I'm moving towards the things of heaven. I'm moving towards hearing you. I'm moving towards seeing you. I'm moving towards hearing your voice and declaring it into the air. Make a movement. Make a movement. You can come forward. I'm going to heavenly place. I'm making a move. I'm not staying where I am. I'm not staying. God honors movement. This is not for me. I don't even look at this stage. It's not for me. I don't get kicks out if you do or don't. But I know this God honors movement. God honors movement. He honors us, Abraham. You go, you move, you walk it out, I walk it out, Abraham. Yeah, come on, make room. Come on, right in. Come on, make room. Just come on in. This is your statement. This is your moment. This is a time where you're saying, God, I want to go. 
I want to leave the place that I'm in. I want to leave this place. I want to leave this place of slogan. I want to go. I want to know. I want to see. I want to experience. I don't want my Christianity to be boring or, or just mundane. I want experiences. I want to be used by you, Lord. I want to know what it is to be a carrier of the glory of God. I want to walk into spaces and places. I want to hear people that, that are on death's door saying, Kingdom come! Kingdom come. I know how it works. I've been in these meetings. You know, God can touch me right where I am. Of course he can. I tell you, he honors faith. Move to the side, move backwards, wherever you want, but make a move. Say, Lord, I, I'm buying in. I'm, I, I, I'm putting myself into your hands. I'm putting myself into your flow. Hello? I'm putting myself into your flow. To your flow, Lord. You take me to them places. You take me, Lord. You move me, Lord God. You let me, Lord, be on the adventure with God. I want to know you, Lord. I want to be like Moses. I need to see your glory. You may have seen so much in God, but I want to tell you there's more. You might be one of those people that says, I know it all. You don't know it all. Don't fool yourself. I know it all. He makes himself known and he's so big that he's unknowable. I've been there before. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. He seats us in heavenly places. If you've been to a place, there's more place. There's another place. Heavenly places. Here we are, Lord. Here we are, Lord. We need something new, Lord. We need the glory of God. We need to know the Lord, the Lord. Gracious and compassionate God. Slow to anger, abounding in love. Forgiven wickedness and sin from generation to generation. Showing compassion on those who you show compassion. We need your power, Lord. We need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we need to know how to operate in the gifts. We need to know how it is and what it is to walk in the fruits of God. We need to know what it is to walk into a real man, to be able to read the spiritual temperature of that real man, change it in the name of Jesus. Lord, we need to know what it is to lay hands on the sick and see them well. That's why we need your glory. need to see you Lord eyes be open ears be open minds be open to perceive the very thoughts of God Almighty hearts be open to receive his love to receive the burden of the Lord for others receive the burden of the Lord for others for people groups for people in your community for neighbours 
Receive the burden of the Lord. Lord, let us feel what you feel for people, your love. Let us hear their cry in their ears, O oh God. Let us hear the cry in their, their, in their ears, their cry, Lord. Elevate us up to that place tonight, Lord. We declare in the name of Jesus. I declare in the name of Jesus. That God is elevating you to your place in heavenly places. Heavenly places. Heavenly places that you will see the communities that's in your heart. You will see them from that perspective. 